Welcome to another episode of Team Anywhere, where CEOs, leaders, and experts at building teams, companies, organizations, and amazing cultures share how to lead from anywhere in the world. I'm your co-host on the East Coast, Judy Bianco Mathis. And I'm your co-host on the West Coast, Mitch Simon. And we invite you to join us to Team Anywhere. Today on Team Anywhere, we interview Mike Robbins, who recently published We're All In This Together. Mike has a truly remarkable way to connect us emotionally to what we're all going through at work and at home during this pandemic and provokes us to utilize this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to discover who we truly are. By taking risks to show up more vulnerable and authentic, we can better connect to ourselves and the people we love and work with. Hello and welcome to another episode of Team Anywhere with Mitch Simon on the West Coast and Ginny Mathis on the East Coast. And we are so excited today. We're really excited to bring you Mike Robbins. Mike Robbins is the author of five books, including his brand new title, We're All in This Together, Creating a Team Culture of High Performance, Trust, and Belonging. For the past 20 years, he's been a sought-after speaker and consultant who delivers keynotes and seminars for some of the top organizations in the world. His clients include Google, Wells Fargo, Microsoft, Genentech, eBay, Harvard University, Gap, LinkedIn, the Oakland A's, and many others. Now, I personally have been an avid listener to his podcast. We're all in this together, I think, from the very beginning. And um, and I've already shared with him, I turn to his book, We're All in This Together, whenever I do any culture work with my team. So uh, gosh, welcome, Mike Robbins. We're so excited to have you on the podcast. Well, yes, thanks for thanks having me. Mike. Thanks yeah. for having me. It's great to be with both of you and everybody listening. I appreciate it. Great, great. And so uh, just for some context, Mike and I met about five or six years back at a, at a an event for commercial real estate. Um, Mike just happens to uh, work with a company uh, that that competes with one of the companies I work with. And um, so it's just, it's just really great to reconnect after all these years. So the first question that I, I got to ask is, um, you know, tell us a little bit about your book, We're All In This Together. And could you ever have, have imagined that just days after you published this book, we would be in the situation that, we're, that we are in today? Not at all, Mitch. You know, I mean, this is my fifth book. And what's interesting, a little bit of the backstory. So I wrote a book that came out a couple years ago called Bring Your Whole Self to Work, came out in 2018. And I love the work that I do. I'm grateful to do it. I've been doing it for 20 years. Um, I don't love to write. It's not my favorite thing. Um, And writing books is quite an undertaking, the whole process of writing it and editing it and then publishing it and then promoting it and all that. So usually when I'm done with a book, like when I finished Bring Your Whole Self to Work, I was like, I'm good. I'm done for a few years. My wife and and our girls were like, yeah, you're done. No more. That was a lot, right? But like three weeks after the book came out, I had this really strong download is the only way I can describe it. Like, And it just wouldn't leave me alone. It's like, you have to write another book. It has to come out in 2020. And it's called We're All in This Together. 
And if you'd have seen me walking down the street, you would have thought I was a crazy person because I was like looking up in the sky and like, leave me alone. Wherever this idea was coming from, like, I don't want it. I do not want this. Like, I'm not available. I'm not open. I'm not interested. I was scared to even tell Michelle, my wife, because I knew what she was going to say. No, you're not writing another book. I was scared to tell my team because they were like, no, you turn into kind of a crazy person when you're writing a book. Let's not do that. But it wouldn't leave me alone. And after a few weeks, I finally just started to write a few things down and then I shared it. And everyone around me was like, don't do it because you know, just all of what goes into it. But I was like, I have to write this book. And then I pitched it to my agent and to they, we pitched it to our publisher and everybody was interested, although nobody wanted the title. They said, oh. we like the book. We like the idea. Because it was basically the fifth principle in my book, Bring Your Whole Self to Work, is create a championship team, which is mm-hmm. with my sports background. It's a lot of what I talk about in the context of teams and performing. And they were like, just call it create a championship team. And I was like, no. It has to be called We're All in This Together. And I'd never said this before, and I'm not usually this way, but I was like, if we're not going to use this title, I'm not going to write this book. Right. I've been there. Yeah. Right. And, and they that's don't right. Like to hear that. Right. No, and I, but I, you know, I've worked with the publisher on a few books, and, I, and, and they were like, okay, fine, Mike. Okay, fine. And I was like, because that phrase to me is so much about, it encapsulates so much of what I've studied and the work that I've done for the last 20 years. And you, you guys know this from the work that you do. It's like teams and cultures where where people really thrive, there is that sense of like, we don't all have to be best friends and it's not all perfect and harmonious all the time, but we're in this thing together. And there was also a a secondary reason why, just given how divisive things have become in our country and in our world, I felt like I want to put a book out in 2020 in a presidential election year here in the United States where we're talking about how do we find common ground with each other. Now, I finished writing the book at the end of 2019 and it was done. And then the book comes out literally right as we're going into the pandemic and everyone is using the phrase, like I'm getting texts from, Hey, the president just said the title of your book. Hey, I just heard it on the news. Hey, I'm like, well, because this notion of we're in this thing together, like when we're facing something so enormous, we just intuitively know we're not going to get through this thing individually. We're going to have to figure out how to, socially distant, but metaphorically lock arms and make our way through it. So it's been kind of a surreal experience, I think, for all of us over this last you know bit of time through this year. But having a book come out this year called We're All in This Together has been um, interesting, exciting, bizarre, unique. I don't know. I, not, what I, not what I expected when you know my team and I were sitting around making goals for 2020. Yeah, that's a fabulous story. Exciting. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, it's pretty, it is pretty prophetic that you know, it was a hundred years. It had been a hundred years since every single person on the planet. Because when you said all, Mike, you were not kidding. It was right. all. It was everybody. Yeah. And uh, to it was just prophetic. Yeah. Not, not that you. Not that you wanted something like this to no. happen. Yeah. No. Of course. Not at all. But I think again, sometimes it's also about. I think, you know, two things. I think as listening to ourselves, that, that inner voice that we get sometimes that look, if I'm really honest, I don't always listen to it. I don't think I'll, you know, but to listen to when we get a message from somewhere, you know, a dream, a, I don't know, just an intuition. But the other part of it is that, you know, this weird dynamic that we're in right now still where it's like, we're all in this same storm, the same experience, but we're in different boats going through the experience. And that's really important, I think, for leaders and for teams to understand is how do we have this universal experience, which we do always, by the way, being human, and we also have this unique 
diverse experience of what's going on in our own lives or within the small, you know, team that we're a part of in context of the larger team or larger organization that we may be operating within. Yeah. So, so, you know, what I love about your podcast, I love about your books is, is the authenticity that you bring to the podcast. I mean, you know, many of your podcasts is just you and you're just basically sharing of yourself, which is, you know, I was talking to a friend the other day and it's like, God, I want to be, I want to be more like that. Like Mike, on one of your podcasts, you were talking about, it was the, you were talking about the Brene Brown and the doctor, I can't remember Dr. Vivek. I think oh, right, of, right. Yeah. About loneliness. About yeah. loneliness, which oh. is, we could just go, we could go on that stream. Oh my goodness. And, and I was saying, and, and of course, Mike, I, 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 as soon as I finished listening to your podcast, I had to go listen to Brene Brown yeah. and, and I was just thinking, God, if I could just be one tenth of mm. that authentic of these two men, um, you know, Brene Brown already, but you two guys. So I want to know, um, how has this pandemic caused you to be more authentic with yourself, um, with your family? I, I feel like I know your family, your wife, Michelle, and your daughters, Samantha and Rosie, because we hear about them every single week on the podcast, <laughs> you know, and, and how has it caused you to be more authentic with your audience? If, if that's even possible for Mike Robbins to be more authentic. Well, listen, first of all, thank you for listening to my podcast. You know, it's funny. I mean, I'm sitting here in my office where I record my own podcast. And one of the things that you should know, I mean, I do interviews from time to time, although I've been doing less um, for a number of reasons. But part of the podcast process for me, just so you know, and, and I say this a lot too, is it's helped to help manage my own mental and emotional well-being. Exactly. Because, right? Like I'm, often, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sort of um, processing. I'm a verbal processor to begin with. And I'm also, I'm an extrovert. So the pandemic has been really hard for me as it has for a lot of us because I'm missing being with people. I'm missing engaging and interacting and communicating with people. So I've been using the podcast. And I think what I've learned over the years, and I'm, I'm sure both of you can relate to this too, is the more personal, and I've always been somebody for whatever reason that's just willing to share what's going on inside of me, but the more personal, the more universal. So like, I feel like without sounding grandiose or, or self-important, if I'm feeling something, I'm probably not the only one, you know, and this goes way back to when I was a kid and sitting in class in school. And I would be sitting there and thinking, first of all, is anybody else not understanding what they're talking about? Like, <laughs> right. Am I the only one? And I'd raise my hand and go, I don't get it. And, and I just was that kind of kid. But I also was the like, why are we talking about this, whatever we were talking about, the Pythagorean theorem or something that I found boring. Why aren't we talking about like what's going on inside? Because am I the only crazy person that's like having all these thoughts and feelings and doubts and fears? And so one of my ways to manage that for myself, even way back then, was to talk about it. And when I would talk about it, I would find I would feel more liberated. <sighs> it's not stuck in my head. And usually people would go, wow you feel like that? I feel like that. And then we would get to have a deeper conversation. So all the way back around to your great question of the pandemic, I don't know that the pandemic has necessarily changed my authenticity per se, but I think what it's done, like it's done for a lot of us, it's it's slowed me down in certain ways. And it's had me look at how often I was running around. I love my work, but running around the country and the world speaking and doing all the things that I do and not really allowing myself to slow down enough to really check in with how am I actually doing mm -hmm. and how am I actually feeling? And am I in touch with that? And am I really connecting with the people closest to me, like in my own house <laughs> to see how they're actually doing? 
So well, I, I think that, yeah. uh, as you said, you just sharing that, for example, others can nod their heads and resonate because we had been given almost like this moment, right? Yeah. This space and of reflection. Yeah. And for me, it's exciting. I'm even more, I feel now even more connected with people. Yeah. Because even with Zoom, right. Uh, is is I can look right. at my students in the eye. I even yeah. say, "Look at me, look, look at, at me. me." Right, right. <laughs> I know. Well, it is. Isn't that interesting, Jenny? It's like it's kind of a paradox, right? On the one hand, we're more disconnected. We don't see each other. We're not shaking hands and hugging and high fiving and right, which I'm missing a lot. I think a lot of us are. And on the other hand, there's this weird way that we're like zooming into people's living rooms and dining rooms and <laughs> spare bedrooms and offices. And there's like dogs in the background and babies. And, you know, I mean, it's just this weird thing where it's like, oh, you know, I mean, and, and I, I don't know about prior to this, I actually didn't love Zoom or Skype or any of the video platforms. Like for some reason, it just annoyed me. I felt like I had to be on and I didn't want to be. And I'd rather just be on the phone when I'm in my office. And some of it was just selfish. Like I want to be in my sweats and my ball cap. And I didn't, right? But now I actually, even though there is definitely Zoom fatigue and I, you know, back to back to back Zoom meetings, I get tired like everybody else, but I do appreciate being able, like think of, imagine if we were going through this pandemic in the seventies, oh, right? God. Or, or, or a hundred years ago when we had the last pandemic, it's like, wh- what would we do? We'd like write each other letters or I don't know. I mean, the seventies, oh, wow. I guess we Edward could at least, t- we could at least talk on the phone. And as much as the technology does have its limitations, it's really extraordinary the things that we can do and at the scale we can do them. And like a lot of, I'm sure you're talking to a lot of teams and leaders about this, what it's going to look like on the other side of this is going to be fascinating because when we have a choice, I think we'll definitely choose to get together in person for certain things because you can't recreate that. But I think there'll be other things we'll go, why don't we just get on Zoom and do it? Because what the heck? Do we all really need to get on an airplane and fly to the thing and talk about the thing when we could just do it more efficiently this way? So it'll be a mixed bag, but I do think it's it's pretty amazing to your point, Jenny, that we can actually get connected to each other in a deeper way in this environment. So that that begs um, another question: Is you know you, you always everyone everyone's asking you know well when this is over, right? Will we just go back to the way we were before? Right. I'm wondering in in your experience with your work with leaders is. Um, Two-part question. Are you seeing leaders dig down and dig deep and dig into this opportunity to be real because we all are in the same exact place? I mean, we're we're not we're, I know we're in different boats, but we're all in the in the we're all in this together part. Yep. We are all in this place of it's confusing, it's murky, it's it's um it makes me anxious and, and nervous. Um Let's just start with that. Do you see them taking opportunity to to use that for authenticity and connection? And if you're not seeing that, what would you, how would you provoke the leaders that that you work with on your podcast and our podcast to to take this opportunity to to really um, create that connection, which really will drive uh, the type of leadership that we're looking for all over the world? It's a great question. I, I think the answer is yes and no. I mean, I kind of feel like this pandemic, like a lot of things, right? It, most people aren't staying the same. It's changing in one way. Like I'll use an, 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 a metaphor or an example. Um, and, and I fall into the category of like, 
I haven't taken as good a care of myself physically during the pandemic as I would have liked. I've put on some weight. My, I, if you'd have told me, Hey, Mike, you're going to be home for seven months straight, eight months straight, no travel. I would be like, Oh, I'd be in awesome shape and a great routine. And I'd be eating really well and I'd be <laughs> sleeping awesome and meditating all the time and working out. And that has not been the case for me. And, and a vast majority of people I talk to, that's not been the case. Although I, there are a handful of people, and you probably know a few, who are like, oh my gosh, I'm so dialed in. Like, I've just been great and I'm really healthy and I'm doing it. And you're like, wow, good for you, even though, you know, I get a little jealous when I hear that. But it doesn't seem like anybody's like, I'm exactly the same as I was. You know what I mean? It, and I would say, well, it's probably not quite as extreme in terms of the numbers. The same is true for leaders. This has either caused leaders that I've worked with to go much deeper in their authenticity, or it's had the opposite effect, if that makes sense. Like, and, 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 I, and sometimes it's a bit of both because I feel for a lot of people, myself included, it's, it's challenging because there does seem to be, especially depending on the industry, so much work and so much expectation and things are taking longer and we have to spend more time in meetings and communicating. And if, if I'll talk to leaders, I'm on Zoom all day, all day, all day. I'm trying to like get work done. And then my kids are coming in and I got to help them with their homework. And, you know, my spouse is going crazy. And they're just like, there's so much happening that I don't think it's a conscious decision. You know what? I'm going to be less authentic. It's like, I don't know when, I don't know how, I don't, right? And so all of that to say, I just think it, this has fundamentally changed the way we operate and we're still in the middle of it, which is hard because it's like one thing to pace yourself for something. <laughs> okay. I mean, even something like the, one of the ways I, I related to this in the beginning stages was like as a former athlete, right? I played baseball all those years. I went through a series of injuries to my arm and surgeries and getting injured in sports sucks. Like it's not fun because you can't play but then you literally have to just wait. All you can do is wait and then do the rehab. And, and like, if you have a major injury, but one thing they do give you though, is a timeline. So you're going to be injured. You're going to be out for three weeks or six weeks. And you can, in most competitive athletes, like I'm going to come back faster, but at least there's a parameter that, you know, I'm going to do this, 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 and this, and then eventually I'm going to get back to play. And if it's a really long rehab process, that can be arduous and challenging, but you sort of know there's stages of it and you have people coaching you through it. Something like a pandemic, which none of us have ever been through, we don't know what the heck this means and how long it lasts and when we get back to some semblance of, right? Yeah. And that makes it hard because it's like, remember what we thought in the beginning? Oh, like three weeks, four weeks, we'll, we'll, we'll stay home. It'll go away. Then we'll get back. Right. And it's like, now are you kidding? And it's still like, are we in the middle or the, like the beginning middle, the end middle, the, I don't know what part of the middle. And it's, it's, it's hard to pace ourselves and to know how much longer it's going to take. Does that make sense? And I think that's more of a mental game than anything else. Some of it is like, you know, we're all having to use certain aspects of survival skills that we have. Right. (laughs) And and again, I think of Maslow's hierarchy a lot. It's like we're on multiple levels, but definitely the base level of just physiological and safety needs. And then as we can move along to sort of belonging and esteem and self-actualization, it's hard to be in a place of self-actualization or real sort of growth and development when we're scared about, you know, survival. And and I think of my friend Chip Conley wrote a book many years ago called Peak, where he basically talked about using Maslow's hierarchy in business. And he kind of broke down the sort of five different levels of Maslow, but put it into three for businesses. It's like survival, success, and transformation. Mm. And most businesses, especially during this pandemic, have to be and be focused on survival 
at, at least at the beginning and just in general, are we going to survive? Can we make it through? Right. Do we have to downsize, right size, change things? You know, if you can get to a place of success, hey, we're doing okay, we're, we're able to make it through this. And then there are some that can be in that place of transformation, but that that's really a privilege and a blessing to be able to be in that place. And so the, the other thing, though, that back to what we were talking about in terms of leaders being authentic or not during this time, I do also think it's been a bit of an equalizer from the standpoint of, you know, the CEO of the company, the senior vice president of this, of that, or whatever, he or she is used to sort of being up on stage at the big all hands meeting and yeah. doing the thing. And and now we're like all just kind of sitting in our, you know, maybe some people have a little better setup and a nicer little Zoom background. and But in general, we're just little like Brady Bunch images on the screen during the meeting and everyone's kind of in the same boat. And, you know, a number of years ago, I talked to Karen May, who was the head of learning and development at um, Google. And she said something really interesting to me. This was pre-pandemic, but they deal with at Google, like a lot of big, you know, global companies. And she works in the Mountain View headquarters, sort of where Google's headquartered. And if you have a team where some of the majority of your people are sort of in one location, like the headquarters, and then people are out in sort of satellite offices or, you know, regional offices or whatever, the people out in those places often feel like, hey, we're out of the loop. We missed the mm-hmm. conversation. We're not in the room. You know, back in the old days, it was like you were calling in on the on the conference line and nobody was talking to you and whatever. She said she used to have her team purposefully. Everyone would join the meeting remotely. Yes. So that everyone, so it was a level playing field. And when she said that, I remember thinking, oh, what a great way to think about managing a team where you have some people in different locations. What's happened with all of us is what Karen was saying she did with her team in those days. We've all been forced into that situation where now, even if we all live in the same geographic location, the only way we can connect is via Zoom or Skype or Microsoft Teams or whatever the platform is. And in some ways, that has leveled the playing field. And for some leaders, I've seen them be able to embrace that and say, I just have to be a human being with my team. You know, the videos that the CEO sends out sitting in his, you know, or, or her dining room with the dog sitting next or whatever, like, hey, how's everybody doing? I'm here in my shorts and my flip flops. And it's kind of like, oh, like, they're just like a normal human like the rest of us. <laughs> I think that has been beneficial in lots of ways. Exactly. And actually, you, the tip of the iceberg there is the person or the leader who has not been able to do that. Right. They see this equalization as almost stripping them of their identity. It's true. It's true. It's a, it's a threat, right? In that case. And, and I think that becomes something again, we can take a look at and, and so many different things that are happening in our country and in our world. So many reckonings that have been going on for the last number of years in particular that we have to stop and go, Oh, huh. You know, this notion of servant leadership, this notion of really being, you know, yes, I have a certain role that I play, which is important, but I'm a human being with all these other human beings and and how do we connect like that? Yeah. You mentioned you mentioned Mike. Um, you know we're we're at we're at threat or we think we're at threat. And usually, what happens when we're at threat is we you know just cling on to what we've had or what we've got. And 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 I wanted to you know to ask you and, and ask you as well to to provoke you know the leaders out there who are still hanging on because mm-hmm. you and I we we only have a crystal ball. And you know I've been telling my clients the earliest I think we're going to um, ever go back to an office, maybe sometimes, maybe, would most likely be, um, you know, the last quarter of next year. I'm just kind right. of prepping them. Right. So it's, it's you know, you know, and if this is, let's say the beginning, you know, you know you, we just got injured in March. We're right. going back in the game 
you know, who knows? God willing, who knows? Yeah. Uh, um, I wanted to, I wanted to prompt this this question. I want to ask you personally: What risks have you taken given this pandemic? Like, what what things have you done that you probably would not have done but for the pandemic? And 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 use that maybe as a as a as a as leverage to to challenge others out there to take uh, those equal or greater risks. So what what have you done that you just would not have done uh, had it been had it not been for this pandemic? Well, I mean, I think you know, for me, I mean, the the primary things that that I do and have done for the last twenty years, you know, I mean, Mitch, like where you and I met at that event years ago, I, I speak, right? So I go out and speak at events, and I mean, I remember in the early days. I think it was Facebook or maybe it was Google. They came out with a thing and said, we're not going to have any meetings of over 50 people until June of 2021. And I, you had to pick me up off the floor when I read that. Cause this was like in, you know, late March, early April. And I'm thinking like right. my, my life, my it's business over. is over. There's nothing like, that's what I do. Um, I mean, yeah, I write books and I might have my podcast and I have all, all these other things that I do, but in terms of really reaching people and ultimately just making money, like that's the primary way. So I went through a period in March and April with myself and my own team that I, I freaked out, like I think a lot of people did, and said, okay, look, I don't know, this business might go away in the next six months, there might be nothing left, but what can we do? And so what I decided to do at that time was, I'm going to look at all these different platforms that we have, you know, social media, the podcast, you know, videos and things, and 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 what can I what do I feel like I have to say and to share that could be helpful and useful in this time? How can I be of service to humans? And then specifically with teams and leaders and the organizations, a lot of our clients, can I reach out to them first and foremost, because a lot of them have become friends of mine and people that I know and care about and just like, how are you doing? You know, and that was kind of, I mean, this isn't exactly about taking risks, but this was more just about how I handled my own fear and terror and just, and then it was like, okay, if you'd have told me seven or eight months ago that I would be sitting or at times I have, I will prop my computer up and stand here in my office because I have more energy when I'm, but I'm delivering these virtual presentations sometimes to 20 people, 50 people, hundred people, sometimes to like, I've done a couple where there's been like 10,000, 15,000 people who are, which is kind of crazy, but I'm still just yeah. standing here in my office, looking at the little green light on my computer. Like, is anybody out there? And I'm seeing comments <laughs> come in through the chat, but I don't really know. But if you'd have told me like, that's how this is going to go eight months ago, I would have said, I can't do that. I don't know how to do that. I mean, the way I've described this experience for me personally, as a speaker, as a communicator is, you know, I was a left-handed pitcher when I played baseball and I was pretty good at it. I liked it. I did it for a long time. I ended up, you know, getting injured, which ended up ending my career, but it's like this still feels like baseball to me. That's the game, the same game, the same rules. I know, but instead of pitching with my left hand, I've been asked to pitch with my right hand. And I'm like, I'm not very good at pitching right-handed. <laughs> so it's been awkward and uncomfortable and weird at times. I feel like I've gotten better at the virtual thing. But as far as the risks go, it's just, can I then translate what I do and how I do it mm -hmm. in a virtual environment? And the truth is right. not exactly, but amazingly, more than I would have thought. So I just kept saying to myself, and, and even to what you said earlier, which I appreciate about my podcast, just I, my mantra to myself was literally, Mike, just keep being yourself. Just keep mm -hmm. being yourself. Just keep being yourself. Like, don't try to do something or be someone that you're not because the earth shifted underneath your feet, if that makes sense. So I think taking risks is about doing things differently. And we all have been forced to do that. But I think the core of who we are, whether it's personally 
or even our business, like we have to be in touch with what's the core and, and, and what are the sort of foundational values of who we are and what we do. And yeah, we can transform and we can innovate and we can scale and we can change and we can, you know, pivot is the word of 2020, right? Yep. But not pivot away from who we are and what we are at our core. So that needs towards it. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, so the what changes, but not the why, you know what I mean? And so that's, to me, I think the, the biggest thing. And look, you know, um, it, it, what also just while we're talking about it, I mean, I ended up, we invested a ton into the business last fall and early this year. We had a new book coming out. We expanded the team. We had some stuff going and it just happened to be like a lot of people, the timing was terrible. A lot of those investments, I might as well just lit that money on fire. Do you know what I mean? It was right. like, oops, yeah. didn't know. But like, I didn't know. I thought maybe the economy would slow down this year a little bit. I did not think we would end up in a global pandemic where we would all be, you know, locked at home. Um, but again, I, I look at that from a business owner standpoint and from an entrepreneur standpoint as like, okay, well, lots of good lessons learned in that experience. Do I have some regrets and disappointments? Sure. Like everybody, but you know, what, what are you going to do? It's like, you know, my mom used to always use that phrase growing up. You can't cry over spilled milk. And it's yeah, like kind of, yeah. kind of true. You know, they're <laughs> cliches are cliches for a reason. <laughs> you know, you know, Mike, what I, what I love about what you said is, you know, I asked you the question about risk and you're answering it as, um, is this is the time to really go into, you know, who are you at your core? Yeah. And it's, 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 you know, it's, it's funny when I, at the beginning, at the beginning of this, I was saying, you know, when was the last time your boss ever told you, you know, you need to leave the office, you need to spend a couple of days out there, you need to go through this transformation project. And then when you come back, you'll be big, you'll be bigger. I say, yeah, this pandemic is like a two year oh, leadership retreat. It totally, totally. is. You know? I love that, Mitch. Well, and you know what else, as you're saying that, I, I just flashed to something I remember hearing. This was probably seven, eight years ago. I was at one of the annual Wisdom 2.0 conferences in San Francisco, which I love. And that's right. Yeah. I've had the honor of speaking out a few times and have attended for many years. And Bill Ford, the either grandson or great grandson of Henry Ford, who was the CEO of Ford Motor Company and then was chairman of the board, um, was talking about being at Ford. And I don't know if he was CEO or if he was chairman at the time. I think he was CEO during the recession. And when it looked like the auto industry and Ford specifically was going to go under. And he talked in a very beautiful, vulnerable, authentic way about how hard that was and how scary that was. And here he was like literally part of this legacy family, this great American brand, this company that it employed, you know, thousands and thousands of people that was potentially going to go under, under his watch. And he said, so I was having to grapple with the fact that the company might go under all these people that I've known for all these years would lose their jobs, would lose their livelihoods. And I would be the person in charge when this ship sank. Wow. So, you know, we're all sitting there like, Oh, he's like, but I, as I grappled with that and it was hard to sleep and we were laying mm -hmm. people off and it was awful. He said, I finally got to a place. He was talking about his own personal meditation practice and how it was really important for him to get up early every morning, even though he wasn't sleeping well, to, to practice and to sit and to try to make some peace. And he said, I finally got to a place where I knew I did not want this to happen. I was doing everything in my power to make sure it did not happen. But if it did, I was going to be okay. Like the human being me, like the people who love me would still love me. I would, you know, and, and he wasn't saying it in some arrogant, privileged kind of like, I don't care about anybody. I'll be fine. You know what I mean? But he said there was, and me listening to that thinking, wow, like I can't even imagine what that pressure must have been like. Or 
And, and I think about this sometimes when I just see people publicly fail miserably, whether it's in sports or business or the, the arts or whatever. And it's like, what does it take for a human being to go through that kind of experience? And all of us in our lives, whether it's public or not, have gone through tragedies and losses and disappointments and things. And in some cases, really, really painfully. And we've made it through. And so I think that's something for me, I know, going into this pandemic one of the things when I really got to that place where like, oh my gosh, 20 years of doing this work that I love, it could go away almost overnight and there might not be anything I can do about it. But you know what? I've been through some tragedies in my life and they weren't fun and they weren't easy and I didn't like them, but I survived. And if that's what happens here, I hope it doesn't. Mm -hmm. I think I'm going to be okay. And that was part of you know, and, and I've been, I was saying that and still to this day saying that to people, it's like, I did a podcast episode on this and wrote something about it. But a friend of mine, my friend Theo said to me at one point, a number of years ago, when I was going through a really tough time, like he said, Mike, you have more than this requires. Mm, and I think right. that's true for all of us all the time, no matter how big the challenge is, no matter how weak we might feel in that moment. And so much of what leadership is about real leadership is about getting that in those moments when we're not sure I have more than this requires. And then embodying that in an authentic way to not be the leader in some performative way, but to inspire the people around us. You have more than this requires. We have more than this requires. We are going to figure this out one way or the other. And that gets back to the title of your book. Right. We're in yeah. this thing together. Now, by the way, that does not mean we're going to win. Everyone's going to keep their job. Everything's going to be awesome. You're going to make a ton of money. No, no. You, you know what? There's no guarantee of that, right? Like it's it's like a, a, something that someone said to me years ago. A mentor said, Mike, you're living your life as though you're trying to survive it. And I said, yes. Yeah, so he said, you have to remember something really important. I said, what's that? He said, nobody ever has. Ooh. Right. And it's <laughs> well, like, we're, look, we, we all know where this thing ultimately ends. And without being morbid about it or too melodramatic, it's like we're not getting out of this thing alive. So it really is about how we show up. And even in the midst of a crisis, even in the midst of a pandemic, even in the midst of difficulty or challenge or loss, it's like, you know, I've been saying this to my daughters during this and they've been rolling their eyes at me because they're 14 and 12 and that's what they do. That's what but they do. Right. But, th but I've been saying, you know, girls, Pay attention right now because you're going to be telling this story for the rest of your lives. So what's yeah. the story you want to tell when this is all over? And, you know, and to me, Mike, this, the, 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 the title of your book, we're all in this together, to me as it speaks, is the thing that we're in together in is, is who are you? Yeah. You know, because really it was, you know, um, look, before the pandemic, there were those of us where life was hard. Now it's harder. There are those of us where life was easy, but now it's like, it's not easy, right. you know? So it really is. Um, I really think the, the, what we're all in together is this call to, as you're saying, you know, grapple with who are you? And I do think that the way out, if there is an out yeah, is to figure out, you know, um, what, what is at the core? What do you really bring? What do, what do you want to share? What's your message? What's, and, and that is something that, you know, people have been grappling with. Some people have not. Right. Um, and I think that's the opportunity right. for yeah, us going for sure. forward. For sure. Well, and it's also, I mean, along those lines too, I think I've definitely been more and more aware of my own privilege and my, and, and blessings because I think, um, you know, there's the context of privilege, like in terms of 
what's happening racially and socially, but there's also privilege in terms of, you know, and, and where is working from home hard? Sure. Is, do people have zoom fatigue? Yeah. But it's like, I was saying to people, especially in the first few months, like, Hey, I hear you, but like, imagine working for a restaurant or working for a movie theater or working like places where it's shut down. You can't go do it. Like I know working from home, it may not be ideal, but at least we get to work from home. We get to work. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and and again, it's, it's, it's perspective and it doesn't minimize the stress and the challenge. We got to, you know, we don't want to get into that comparative suffering thing where we then think our suffering isn't real because it's not as significant as someone else's at the same time. I think we can also have some perspective. And I say all the time, even when I'm in my lowest moments, I really try to shift to, I'm grateful. I'm healthy and well, my family's healthy and well, we're blessed to live in a home that we love. I'm grateful to get to do work that matters to me that I still get to do even in this different altered way. Um, We'd like to take this brief interruption to thank our sponsors and then get back to our program. We'd like to thank Marymount University, Arlington, Virginia, School of Business and Technology, Innovative Solutions, Upskilling for the What's Next Economy at marymount.edu. Oyster Organizational Development, dedicated to higher performance, business success, and leveraging teams at OysterOD.com. And WeJungo, a strategic people process consulting firm at WeJungo.com. I have one, uh, one final question, and, uh, is, and you, you talked about this again. Uh, um, we talked about this with the Brene Brown um, and the book uh, together. Um, how have you dealt with, if you have, um, I know you've got a, a handful of uh, women in your household, yes. um, but how have you dealt with um, loneliness and and being um, honest and and transparent um, and connected to to that? Um, just because just just there's so many people out there who are dealing with it, yeah. and um, and they're not talking about it. And I know that yeah. you're really open to talking about those stuff. Totally. Well, I mean, I shared this. You, you made reference to this podcast episode that I recorded a few months ago after I listened to. Mm-hmm. Brene Brown talked to someone who'd written a book about loneliness. And as I was really thinking about it, loneliness is something, you know, I've lived most of my life, even though it's small family, you know, grew up single mom, older sister. I've never been like, I've been not around tons and tons of people, but I've, I'm an extrovert, always been very social, always had lots of friends. Michelle and I've been together for 20 years now. We've got two daughters. Like my life, the circumstances of my life, you know, I'm out in the world, I'm, I'm speaking at big events. I see, right. I'm not someone that presents as a lonely person. Do you know what I mean? Um, I'm not single. I'm not isolated. Um, so therefore, what I've made up in my mind over the years is anytime I ever experienced some sense of loneliness, I didn't even really let myself feel that or acknowledge it. Cause like, what are you talking about lonely? You're not lonely, right? Like it was a, like it was a circumstance. Loneliness is an emotion. So it's like, some of us can, you know, be happy, positive people, but it's not like we never feel anger or sadness. It's an emotion. We, as humans, we have access to all the emotions. And what we know about emotions is if we mute some of them because we don't like them or we think they're socially unacceptable or they scare us, um, we then mute all of them. So it diminishes me not feeling my loneliness diminishes my joy. Um, so part of what I've done over the course of the pandemic a bit is just try to embrace that a little bit more. Write about it, talk about it, feel it. Because 
it is, I do feel more isolated, as I think many of us do, than I ever have in my life. I'm with Michelle and the girls, which is fantastic. And we do have a few other people now in our sort of expanded bubble of people that we now interact with, thank goodness. Um, but just allowing myself to feel vulnerable. You know, one of the things I believe really strongly is that feelings are meant to be felt, all of them. Not just the good ones, not just the ones we like, but all of them. And that doesn't mean we have to go do anything with them. But like feeling lonely, just like feeling joy, feeling anger, just like feeling gratitude, they're they're just feelings. And if we allow ourselves to feel them, like we can move through them and take whatever's positive from them to energize us and let go of what's not. So I think the biggest thing, Mitch, for me has just been able to acknowledge my feelings of loneliness and not then judge myself for it or think if I told Michelle I'm feeling lonely that she somehow thinks it's a reflection on her and like something's wrong in her marriage. Bye. It's like, no, babe, I love you. I'm not feeling lonely because like there's something you're doing. I'm just feeling lonely because that's something that I experience as a human being. And it's one of the emotions that I thought wasn't on the table for me as an option, but it actually is. And I'm going to let myself feel that sometimes. Yeah, it's, uh, you're, you know, hitting something that is occurring to me and to my friends as well as, you know, I'm asking them, are you feeling lonely? And they're like, no, we're not. I'm like, go listen to, you know, Mike's podcast or, or Brene's <laughs> podcast. Like they come back and like, or reading the book um, yeah. together. And they're like, yeah, yeah, I'm lonely. Yeah, I am lonely. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and, and, and par part of it also is that, I mean, this I think is a challenge for most of us as humans. And I struggle with this is that can we make peace with ourselves, right? One of the books I wrote a few years ago is called Nothing Changes Until You Do. And it's really about our relationship with ourselves and like mm -hmm. having compassion for ourselves, being okay, you know, noticing the tendency. And, and maybe you guys can relate to this too and people listening. Like I have to manage my own tendency to be really obsessed with the news and with social media and with staying because that's a way to quote unquote connect. But for me, it's right. actually more of a way to numb out and to distract myself from not just sitting in a room by myself, feeling my feeling like, oh, I feel lonely or I feel sad or I feel scared because so much of my life, I think like a lot of our lives is oriented around kind of what am I doing next and what's the goal and where are we headed and what's going on? And it's really hard right now to be making plans and making goals because there's so much uncertainty. And it's uncomfortable. I know for me and almost everyone I talk to, it's like, well, what are, what, how are we, how do we plan for the next quarter and the next year? And we don't know what the heck's going to happen. It's like, well, maybe this is a good time to just be in the present moment. Right. Live in the moment. Great. That's great. Right. I think that's where, I think that's where we're going to end. You know, I really do think that this is a good time. To, I'm beginning present to that, but, but it's, it really is. I, I think, uh, you know, what we're all in, in together is what we're all in this together is, um, is to be present, is to be real, is to be authentic. Um, is to, and, and also to rediscover, um, how we can connect with each, with each other. It's, it's a little bit more challenging, yeah. but, um, there is technology that, that does make it great. Mm -hmm. Um, Mike, wow. I, I've been looking yeah, forward to this I podcast for weeks this one. and I, uh, you know, I'm so, so excited that I met you that, that many years ago and we've kept in touch yeah. and I want to just thank you from the bottom of my heart, uh, for uh, joining us on the podcast and, uh, we look forward to, uh, talking to you again soon and good luck with this book and, and sorry, Michelle, but the next book you're going to write one day as well. <laughs> yes, <laughs> well, exactly. Thank you. Exactly. Thank you. I, I right. appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Right. Well, thank, thank you. And thank everyone, um, for just another exciting episode of team anywhere. Mm -hmm.